God set the pattern for the Sabbath by his rest at the end of creation. And in the passage we're about to look at, Jesus and the Pharisees have very different views of the purpose and the use of the Sabbath, and their encounter is instructive for us and has application for us today. So listen now to God's holy and inerrant word. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you as we are. And that means we come to you broken. We come to you weary and worn out from life. Uh, We are all facing a number of different circumstances in life that seem so vastly different from one another. We are anxious, and some of us are bitter, and some of us feel ourselves to be despairing, and some find very little reason for hope, and yet others find themselves perhaps even too comfortable this morning, uh, failing to realize that every gift comes from your hand, even the breath that we breathe. Even though these circumstances seem so vastly different, we pray that you would allow us to see this morning as we come before your word that we really are all the same, that we really are all far more broken than we could imagine. And so we all stand together in need of your grace, in need of your mercy. We need to be reminded this morning or perhaps even here for the very first time the good news of the gospel, that we are both far more broken than we can imagine. But because of Jesus' person and work, we are also far more loved and far more accepted and far more secure than we could have ever dreamed possible. And so we pray, O Father, that You would cause this good news of the gospel to rise upon our hearts and give us life that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus. For it's in His name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The children are dismissed, uh, ages 3 to 6, to Children's Church at this time. Make your way to the back of the sanctuary and you'll be taken to Children's Church. We are in a series right now called The Hand of the King or The Hands of the King, uh, which is a series through 
the miracles of Jesus in Luke's gospel. And in this series, we want to meet the rightful king, um, whose hands are the hands of a healer, to borrow a phrase from Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Um, and this morning we're looking at a passage in Luke chapter 6 that deals with the Sabbath day and one of Jesus' healings on the Sabbath day. Before we get there, I want to tell you a brief little story. Not too long after my family moved to Memphis, Tennessee, um, my wife Jennifer, she started having, um, having some trouble with her ears and with her hearing. And I think the first thing she noticed was that when we were at a loud gathering, like at a party or something, she was having a, a whole lot of trouble hearing and following the conversations around her. Um, but also, when things were relatively quiet, uh, there were particular noises that would just really cause her ears to hurt a lot. And all of this led to some pretty consistent um, discomfort and, and, uh, and, and pain with these earaches. And so she went to the doctor, and she began to tell him about all her symptoms. And so he checked her hearing, and he did a thorough test. She was having all this ear trouble after all, but she came back and said, you have excellent hearing, uh, far better than normal. And, uh, and so we had to keep on going. And what we ended up finding out in the end was that the problem wasn't really with her ears, but with her jaw, because she had TMD, she, the tempro, temporomandibular disorder, I think is what it's called. And um, the, that joint had become aggravated and inflamed, and it was causing all these problems with her ears and with her hearing. And it, it is interesting to, to think about this, because the crisis with her hearing, right, and, and these earaches that she was having was revealing a problem. But the problem it was revealing wasn't with her ears, uh, but with her jaw. And the symptoms at the surface, what they were doing is they were exposing a problem beneath the surface. This passage in Luke shows us a couple of moments of crisis that occurred on the Sabbath day, right? But I want you to see that the trouble isn't with the Sabbath day, and the trouble isn't with God's law that He has given to His people. The symptoms that rose to the surface, they were exposing and they were revealing something very significant that was beneath the surface. And here's what was being revealed. What was being revealed is that we really, really desperately need to rest. And religion will never let us rest. But Jesus has come into this world in order that we would find the deep rest for which He made us. And so really those are my three points this morning. Uh, we really need to rest. Religion will never let us rest. And Jesus came to give us deep rest. Okay, so first, we really need to rest. Just in saying that, I, I'm sure that a number of you are internally thinking, duh, <laughs> of course we need to rest. You know, I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And that, none of that is surprising, right? Americans are the most workaholic culture that the world has ever known. 
right? Henry David Thoreau wrote in an essay in 1863 about American life that this world is a place of business. What infinite bustle. I am awakened almost every night by the panting of the locomotive. It interrupts my dreams. There is no Sabbath. It would be glorious to see mankind at leisure for once. It is nothing but work, work, work. 1863. And now that we have technology that allows us to work anywhere, we find ourselves working everywhere. Right? We are always plugged in to work. And if we're not plugged into our work, we are plugged into an endless array of distractions and entertainment, and we hardly know how to stop. We cannot escape. It meets us at every turn, this constant striving, this restlessness, this work, this bustle, this activity. Of course we know this already. We need to rest. We want to rest. We are exhausted. Now, that we need to rest is the first thing I think this crisis in this passage reveals. You will miss it, though. You will miss it if you are only looking at the symptoms, if you're only looking at the earache. This crisis revealed this, that Jesus completely affirms your need for rest and mine. Because Jesus was not saying in this passage, in this moment of crisis, He wasn't saying the Sabbath doesn't really matter anymore. He wasn't saying, you guys are so Old Testament you know, we don't have to worry about the Sabbath anymore. It's not important anymore. He wasn't saying that. He, was, he wasn't even saying, I'm God and I've come to change the rules. No more Sabbath. He wasn't saying that. No, what Jesus said was, verse 5, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, Jesus was saying, I'm all about the Sabbath. I am all about this day of rest. You need this rest. The word Sabbath in the Old Testament was a Hebrew word that meant stop working. It meant cease your activity. Desist from all your activity. In Exodus chapter 20, where we find the Ten Commandments, the command to honor and to stop working and to rest on the Sabbath day, it was, you think about this, it was one of the few commands that received an explanation. There were lots of commands that didn't receive any further explanation, but this command did. And here's what that explanation was. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God, in giving these commands, He is taking us all the way back to creation, All the way back to, we're talking about the Sabbath. He's taking us all the way back to the beginning of time itself. To the beginning of you and me, right? And you remember this season in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where God had created everything in the space of six days. And then he stood back and he looked at everything that he had made. And you remember this. And God saw that he had made, it was saw what he had made. And behold, it was very good. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. You think about this. 
because it's really important. God wasn't tired at the end of creating everything. It wasn't like he was saying, now I need a day where I can just go to sleep. God doesn't sleep, right? Here's what his rest was. His rest was satisfaction. I mean, he stood back from everything he did, and he was just so satisfied in a job well done. It was the experience of completion and of fulfillment and of joy. Mark Buchanan writes, God stitched into the nature of things an inviolable need to be left alone now and then. God takes us back to creation so that you and I would see that being made in God's image, we were made to experience and to know and to feel real rest like that. To get to the end of your work and to leave it alone. To get to the end of it and be able to put it away and to put it down. To enter into a deep enjoyment of a job well done, of satisfaction, of completion and fulfillment. We were made for, and we need that kind of rest in our lives. But here's the problem. Even though we want that rest, and deep down know that we need that kind of rest, we are scared to stop. We are scared to be still. We are scared to be quiet and put down our work. We know we need it, but I'm saying we are deeply afraid of the silence. And I think this is why. Because when it gets to the silence, we're afraid that we will feel, instead of completion, that we are so very, very incomplete. We are afraid that in the silence, we are going to come face to face with our lacking. The fear that in the silence, in that silence, and in that quiet, we will be measured. And when we are measured we will be found to be not enough. And it scares us. So here's what happens at the end of your 50 or 60-hour work week or more, or whatever you're doing. We fill ourselves with entertainment and distraction and busyness. We cannot stop. We cannot just be. We can't put our work down, but we also can't put down our Twitter accounts and our Facebook profiles. And we can't put down our hobbies and all our little entertainments, and our Netflix accounts, and our housework, and a million other things that we could add to the list. The silence unravels and undoes us. Psychologist Timothy Wilson and his colleagues at the University of Virginia and Harvard conducted a study which showed that people find it very, very difficult to sit alone with their thoughts for just six to 15 minutes. They put college students in an unadorned, plain room. They took away their cell phones. They took away anything that they could, writing utensils or, or paper or any reading material. They took it all away, and they asked them to sit in this room for 6 to 15 minutes and just to be still with their thoughts. And the vast majority came out saying 
that they found it a completely dissatisfying and unenjoyable experience. So they expanded their parameters a little bit to include not just college students, who you might think, well, of course, they couldn't put their cell phones away. So they, so they included ages 18 to 77 from a variety of different races, income levels, and frequency of social media use. The feedback was exactly the same. Age, race, education, income, frequency of use of social media, we are all scared of the silence and find it uncomfortable and unenjoyable. So they finally upped the ante, right? And they gave their participants a choice whether to sit alone in a quiet room or administer to themselves an uncomfortable electric shock. Okay? 67% of the men (laughs) chose to shock themselves. 25% of the women chose to shock themselves. And here's what I'm saying. We would rather be in physical pain than be quiet for 15 minutes. I don't want you to miss it in, this cri- in the midst of this crisis. Don't be distracted by the symptoms here. Jesus is all about the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath, and He knows your frame inside and out. He knows you better than you know yourself, and He knows you need rest. You need to get to the end of your work and to be able to put it down and walk away from it. It's in your DNA. It's stitched into our very nature. But what are we going to do? <laughs> right? What will we do when the very thing we need is the thing that terrifies us? Where will we go when the silence itself feels so thick and suffocating and unsafe to us? Honestly, that's why we have two more points to this sermon. Um, And that's what this crisis reveals, how to deal with that. So second, this crisis reveals that religion will never let us rest. Religion is this mirage that is at the end of our very weary and dry and unfulfilling search for satisfaction and fulfillment. And it appears to be this oasis out in the, in the distance. If I can just get there. If I can get there. But when you get there, it's just handful after handful of dust and sand. And here's the simple re- reason why. Religion will never let us rest. Because religion is about working from the outside in. See, here's what I mean by that. Religion says... If I work hard enough, if I'm sincere enough about what I'm doing, and if I do the right things and I achieve or accomplish the right things, then, then I'll be able to rest. Then Then I'll know I'm enough. Then I'll feel complete and whole. Then I'll feel satisfaction and be able to put my work down. And I'm telling you, it's a mirage. The Pharisees, I need to point out here, they were living in an interesting time period because the Romans were the occupying government of their day and their culture. And when the Romans came in, when the Romans came in, they brought with them their pagan, unbelieving culture. And the Pharisees, they were this 
they were the resistance movement, if you will. They were the ones who were saying, no, 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 we have to get back to biblical and conservative and traditional values. We have to safeguard it. We have to resist, and we have to be good. And so when it came to God's law about the Sabbath, they regulated 39 types of activity to obey on the Sabbath. And included were regulations about or against reaping, which the disciples did the moment they plucked those heads of grain on the Sabbath. And their regulations included um, saying that you couldn't practice medical treatment on the Sabbath, not if it wasn't a matter of life and death. And so Jesus clearly broke this when He healed this man's withered hand. And it was an elaborate system. And at its heart, at its heart, I want you to understand, was an outside-in approach to life. And this is tremendously important because many of us think that religion and Christianity are the same thing. And they're not. Not at least how I'm using the terms. Religion works outside in. My performance and conformity and my efforts and my sincerity and all my striving, that's what will tell me I'm enough. Working outside in is how I prove myself to myself and others that I'm one of the good guys. Right? Working outside in is how I prove to myself that God must love me. In the movie Anchorman, uh, Will Ferrell's character, Ron Burgundy, he's talking to Christina Applegate's character, Veronica Corningstone. And they're at a party, and he really wants to impress her, and some of you will remember this scene. So he walks up to her, and he says, I'm kind of a big deal, right? People know me. You know, I'm very important, and I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany, or some, something along those lines. And if you're watching the movie, it's funny. It's Will Ferrell. He's always funny, you know. And, and it's, but it's pure comic genius, because we all know that the only reason you would ever say that out loud, right, I'm a pretty big deal. I'm a very important person, is if deep down you know you aren't. He's trying to prove to himself and Christina Applegate's character and anyone else who will listen that he's a big deal. Religion will never let us rest because we're always working and striving and bustling to, pr to prove to ourselves and anyone else who will listen, I'm enough. I'm okay. I'm valuable. I'm significant. My life has meaning and purpose. And it's why we can't be still. Because there is a work beneath our work. A work that says only when you arrive here, and only when you accomplish this, and only when you live, live like this, and live up to this, can you rest. And it's all a mirage, which is just handful after handful of dust and sand. And maybe it's easy for us, I think, to wag our finger at the Pharisees, Religion, But I wonder if you realize how deeply religious we are in all of life. Because when you are slaving away at your career, trying to keep up, and trying to get ahead, and trying to achieve, and you are afraid to stop, 
and put down your work. Or when you are slaving away to get the approval of others and you can't dare let down your guard for a moment. Or when you are slaving away to make sure your gifts are recognized. Do you realize the work beneath your work? The striving beneath your work? That you are working to justify your very existence. To know that you're enough. To know that you have value and that your life has meaning. You are working outside in and it is wearing you out. And it is exhausting. And you know what happens when this is your approach to life? When this is your approach to life to work outside in, you start becoming very hard and very bitter and very angry. That's how you know you've been slaving away from the outside in. In verse 11, after Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, Luke tells us that the Pharisees, they were filled with fury. It's an interesting Greek word because it means something like absence of mind, pure madness, right? They were seeing red, and right then and there, they started discussing what they might do with Jesus, what they might do to Jesus. I mean, Mark tells us that their conversation was the very beginning of their plot to kill Jesus, to silence him, to shut him up forever. I mean, ask yourself if you have an anger problem, if your heart is growing hard, because when you are working outside in, the world becomes us versus them, good versus bad. When you are working outside in, you become deeply insecure over any threat to your self-righteousness. When you are working outside in, you are fostering a sense of superiority that turns you down, downright abusive and condescending and furious, maddening. Religion, no matter what sphere of life it shows up in, it will never let us have the rest that we know we want and we know we need. So third and finally, this crisis reveals that Jesus came to give us deep rest. The Son of Man, Jesus says, is Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus isn't just saying that He is all about the Sabbath. He is saying that, but He's saying more. Because what He's saying is He's saying that only He can give us the deep rest we need. And I'm sure you've already guessed where I'm kind of setting this up and where I'm going with this. Jesus came to give us this deep rest by giving us an inside-out approach to life. But you give me a couple minutes to get there, okay? Act like you don't know that's where I'm going. Um, when the Pharisees questioned Jesus about His disciples picking heads of grain to eat on the Sabbath, Jesus responded with a story about David from the Old Testament. And it's a story that you can find in 1 Samuel 21 if you want to read it. We could glean several things from that story. But let me just highlight one very interesting point. On the surface, this crisis, the symptoms, they seem to be all about... It se- this whole thing seemed to be all about what you do and don't do on the Sabbath. So my question is this. Why did Jesus go to the Old Testament and pick a story that had nothing to do with the Sabbath? I mean, if that's what it was really about, if that was what the crisis was really about, why didn't he go find a story about the Sabbath? But he didn't. Go read 1 Samuel 21. It's not about the Sabbath. 
There must be something deeper. There must be something beneath the surface that Jesus wanted to reveal. And I think it's this. At the bread in the temple, it was an important piece of Israelite worship in the Old Testament. And we can't unpack it all here. But the bread in the temple, it was pointing beyond itself to something else. It was pointing to a day when the true bread of life would come down from heaven and be the fulfillment of everything it pointed to in temple worship. What did Jesus say immediately after he cited this story about David? The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He was saying, I am the fulfillment of everything the Sabbath points to. If you will ever find the deep rest you are made for, you must come to me, is what Jesus was saying. Now hold that thought for a moment because there was also this other story about this man with the withered hand. It was the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees and the scribes, they were waiting to see if Jesus would heal this man with this withered hand on the Sabbath day. And I I want you to try to imagine the drama of this scene because I think that Luke is really writing in such a way that he wants you to feel the drama just thick and vibrant with all its tension. Jesus calls out to this man. He says, stand up here. He's calling him out. Stand up in front of everyone. Is it knowing the thoughts of the Pharisees, he asked, verse 9, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? And then I love this part. And then Luke tells us that Jesus looked around at them all. I mean, can you imagine the pregnancy of that pause? Who wants to challenge my interpretation of the Sabbath to give life, right, and to heal and to do good? Jesus was making a point, right? And so he tells this man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And immediately his hand was restored. I mean, Jesus was making this point. I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I came into the world to give you your humanity back. I came to restore your humanity. I came to bring you the true and the deep rest that you need. He was saying, if you come to me, I can make you whole. If you come to me, I can make you complete. One of my favorite illustrations comes from an experience that a friend of mine had when he was at Walmart. And you know, not many good stories probably come out of Walmart, um, or, but uh, this is an exception. Um, so he told me he was in Walmart and uh, he was doing his shopping and he heard this child just screaming an aisle over. Um, just blood-curdling screams, right? Just terrified, Uh, which is not that unusual if you've been to Walmart. Um, But he said this was something different. He could just hear the terror in the scream, and so he walked around the corner of his aisle to look and see what was going on. And, And he said what he saw was this child, and he was all alone, and he had gotten separated from his mother, and he was just panicked. And he was screaming. And so he stood there watching for a couple of seconds to try to think, what should he do? And he said, in the next moment, that his mother came running around the corner and 
scooped her child up in her arms. And he said, here's what was fascinating about it. He said, that child went in 30 seconds, went from total fear and total panic, not to just being calm, but to being fast asleep in his mother's arms. Look, if you will come into the arms of Jesus, you will find the rest for which you were made. And the silence will no longer be able to terrify you. You will find that He came to restore your humanity and to make you whole and complete. He, in fact, came to give you the joyous experience of being able to put your work down and all your distractions, to be able to lay them aside and find out the rest of being completely entirely satisfied and fulfilled with a job well done. Now, how in the world is that possible? It's possible because the Pharisees, they followed through with their plans to get rid of Jesus and to kill Jesus. And when His arms were stretched out upon the cross, He was taking your place and mine in order to make you whole. And do you, do you realize the exchange that was happening there at the cross? On the cross, Jesus received His Father's malediction. The bad word of His Father, right? Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. I mean, what He heard from His Father was, the Lord curse you and shun you and turn His face away from you and forsake you, and be angry with you, and give you hell. That's what he took in your place. And he did it so that he could give to you the benediction of his Father, his good word, which is well done. My good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. That exchange means that God is looking at you and saying, I am deeply in love with you. I am as well pleased with you as I am with the obedience of my Son in your place. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you forever and ever and ever. See, He didn't just die in your place. He lived and He fulfilled the law perfectly in your place for you. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, that there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And he says this, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Hanging from the cross, Jesus cried out, It is finished. Everything necessary for you to know that you are enough has been accomplished for you. And now you can rest just as God rested, completely fulfilled. You're no longer a slave to the law or to your career or to approval or to whatever. The verdict is in. And that verdict 
is what changes us from the inside out. Now, I know I have to end, so let me give you just a few brief points of application here. First thing is this. You will know you are working inside out in your life when you see yourself start becoming softer and kinder and more patient and more humble. To know that you are saved by grace and not by being right begins to kill your self-righteous anger and hardness and bitterness. It moves you to reflect grace to those around you. Second, you and I desperately need to take real Sabbath time. You are made, it's stitched into the very fabric of your being that you are made to put your work down. And when you do, when you put your work down, it is an act of liberation. Because it takes faith to put your work down. It puts faith to lay it aside and say, this does not define who I am. Jesus defines who I am. And therefore, I can enter God's rest just as He entered His rest. Third, you need a community to hold you accountable and work this stuff out. I'm always a little surprised at how my wife knows that I am burning out before I ever know I'm burning out. Um, It feels weird and it bothers me, which is another discussion, but it's right. It's right. She can see these things in my life before I can see it. You need others around you. You need a radical upside-down community that flips the values of the world upside down and on its head while everything is shouting at us. You've got to keep up. You've got to stay ahead. Work, work, work. We need others with us who are engaged in this act, act of liberation who say stop and be and rest in who you are in Jesus. Last thing I'll mention here is that we've included on the back of that comment card some boxes for you to check related to today's sermon passage. I was a little bit hesitant about doing that at first, to be honest, um, because it feels a little weird to me. But um, those are there for you. And here, I think this is the perfect day to introduce that to you. The Sabbath day comes around with this alarming regularity, right? (laughs) Every seven days. You can count on it. Six days from now, there'll be another one. I promise you unless Jesus comes back. But it comes into your life with this regularity that says you need to stop. You need to stop your actual physical labor and rest because it is pointing you. The physical act is pointing you to a deeper rest that you have in Jesus. God made us in such a way that we need the real, physical, tangible reminders of who we are and our identity in G- the ad- identity that we have in Jesus. And so we put that there for you on the back of that comment card so that you can have a tangible means of, of applying God's Word to your life, so that you can be reminded in physical ways that the hands of the King, they are indeed the hands of a healer. And if you come to Him, you will find rest, for His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we have had this morning to 
be before you, to be with one another, we do need this community. A community that takes time to stop. A community that takes time to rest and to be. To be reminded that our identity is all in Jesus. And no longer does our career or our religious performance or whatever have to define us. But Jesus Himself defines us. And Father, how we thank You this very moment that Your Son came and that He willingly took Your malediction so that we could receive the benediction. Father, thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. And we pray that the rest of this day You would remind us that we were made to rest and that the deep rest that we desperately need, it can only be found when we come to Jesus. So help us. Help us to come to Him in faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.